Welcome everyone to episode 105. Before we kick off today's show, just another shout out to those of you who may have been planning to support the podcast on Patreon or who haven't even heard about my Patreon account. Um, it is now up and running. I'm asking listeners to the show to become a patron of the show, basically, which means signing up a bit like Netflix to pay a monthly subscription of, I don't care, a euro is fine. The reason we're doing this is the kind of podcast industry is looking for ways that it can monetize itself. Right now, most podcasts are free and people expect everything on the internet to be free, which is kind of fine by me. And there really are only two ways to monetize podcasts. One is through advertising, which would mean that instead of this ad for my podcast, you would be getting an ad about some spurious product that I probably don't even believe in and that you probably certainly don't. It's also a way to protect the cottage industry nature of podcasts. My own podcast has been a labor of love for the past three years and it does have running expenses attached to it. So independent podcasters are trying to find ways in which they can gain some revenue to contribute to operating costs. And this is what I am trying to do. If you can't afford to or have no real interest, that's OK, too. The podcast will remain free and available to anybody who wants to listen to it. If you would like to contribute, and I would really like that, um, you can go to www.patreon.com backslash Shawnee B. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com backslash Shawnee B. And follow the instructions to become a patron. They'll ask you to give your credit card details uh, and commit to a monthly subscription. Uh, most of us will spend two euros a day or two dollars a day buying a newspaper or a cup of coffee. I'm asking maybe if those of you listening could do a pound or two euros or whatever you can afford a month rather than a day, which would really help. The more patrons a podcast has, the more patrons seem to want to support it. So I'm initially trying to drive up numbers. We don't have many so far. I'm not even sure this thing's going to work. But if you're one of those people who believes that uh, artists, musicians, podcasters, writers, whatever, who are trying to do something different in the area of monetization and you want to support them, this would be a great time to support a pint with Shawnee B. The other thing I want to try and say before we start is I, I always had at the back of my mind the idea that this podcast series would also be of great interest to younger people who are trying to work out what they want to do with their life. A huge amount of my guests have done things differently. They've, in some cases, booked the trends or booked the advice or... I'm not going to say rebelled, had courage in their convictions from maybe an early age to plough their own furrow and march to their own drum. So one of the areas I'm focusing on right now is career guidance teachers in schools. If you know of anyone who's in that position or if you are a teacher yourself, have a look at the podcast series as a whole. There's over 100 interviews with people who've led brave, creative and interesting lives. And I think this could be a great resource for your students just to listen to and understand that there are many ways to getting through life than the traditional ones that society says we all must conform to. All right, that's enough from me. On to today's show, a guy called Ben Jones. He is a, in a company called Bull in the China Shop, which is named after himself. Ben is a guy who knows everything about the blockchain. The blockchain is something that's coming to computers and phones and the internet near you over the next while. It is considered to be a new way of encryption 
and data protection and protection of ideas, fixing fake news and policing the internet. It's kind of a complicated thing. I guess a lot of people here listening to this podcast will have heard of it, but Ben does quite a good job at trying to explain how it works and why it is very important. Ben's also had a great life. He used to be a skier when he was a kid. He's got some great insights into life itself and the future and whether we're going to have chips in our head and should we have chips in our head and robotics and artificial intelligence and lots of other great stuff as well. He's a great raconteur and a great guy to chat to. We met up in Kinsale in September at the Kinsale Sharks Festival. So without further ado, we're going to fade in. To Ben Jones. Who knows an awful lot about. Um, it's called blockchain. We're also going to talk about what Ben does and has done in his life and how he ended up being here. So I'm welcoming Ben Jones. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, very well. Very Have you been to on be a here. podcast before? Do you know what? I haven't, no. So it's oh. my first time. But I've always believed never say no to anything. Very good. First question for you Bull in a China shop, where does that name come from? <laughs> it's basically me. <laughs> I started my career. One of my places was KPMG. And really? So, yeah, it was a deep kind of ground. You've come the other way. Everyone's going that way now, and you've come yeah, from yeah, there. Yeah, I started there, ah. but I was like the black sheep in many ways. I, I always used to turn up in in jeans and a t-shirt, and it was kind of, I was always I wasn't never conformed in anything that I did. So KPMG, I, a huge account global accountancy firm. How did yeah. you end up there? Yeah, well, well they had a consulting arm. Kind of, they were in a the world of innovation, mm. a little bit like an agency, I suppose. And so I joined them for that. And we had a phenomenal level of fun. And, and so we were using the latest and greatest technologies from companies like Microsoft. No one had ever seen them before. So I joined it for that. But as I say, I was the bull in the china shop. I was the one who would turn up in my jeans and T-shirt when everyone else was wearing their blue-collared shirts. Yeah. And, and so, were you a bull in the china shop when you were a kid? Where were you growing up? Where were you born? What was your background? Your... My background My background was my father left my mother when I was six weeks old. Oh, my God. She said, yeah, thanks, Dad. Yeah, cheers. Thanks. Did you ever see him again? Oh, no, I do, yeah. He's yeah. good friends now. And that's that in fact, he... an awkward meeting when you're everything hey dad what was that all I know yeah you don't really yeah. so, you're like, yeah, cheers thanks dad was I really that much of an ugly baby <laughs> I'm not even that that's Do you know terrible. What? he even built a wall in between the house because he was a builder yeah. and he built a wall in between the house and so my mum and him could share the house and so he didn't throw her out or all that right. kind of stuff yeah so that was a weird one where, where was this where, you, where were you born born in Essex I'm okay. an Essex boy at heart okay. five brothers okay. so one of six so you, wouldn't, you have to be a bit of a bull in the shop to stand out when you've yeah. got six brothers. Where did you come in the pecking order? I was uh, second oldest. It wasn't too bad. Yeah, sort of yeah maybe. <laughs> I want to be seen. But my old man, my stepdad, uh, my real dad, he gave me a wonderful uh, um, opportunity to become a ski racer, of all things. Really? So I ski for England yeah, when did I was you? a kid. Yeah. Franz Klammerish downhill. Yeah, what's your one? I met Franz Klammer. Yeah. I did meet Franz Klammer. He trained me. Yeah, he trained me in, in Beckton Alps. One, Beck. of the, one of the things about sport was at the time, Love it. we watched everything that was on. So we were big into snooker, ski Sunday. Every single, yeah, all the time. And now there's just so much sport that it's overkill. It's a bit like life. Anyway, so I came from that. I fell over. What that made me learn, actually, it wasn't about your skill. It was about your tenacity to just get stuff done. And so when I fell over, I lost all my sponsorship. My old man went bust. So he was the funder. It's quite expensive. Fell over, meaning accident. Yeah, literally just fell over, hurt my knee for a while. So I was out, so I lost all my sponsorship. And through that, I had a choice. I could use a Saturday job to buy my wax, my ski wax, and whatever he needed. My old man would have used the, that to get me from race to race in England when you're racing in England on the dry slopes. And I didn't. Why didn't you? Because I don't think I had the tenacity to push through it in that particular time. Well, uh, you know, the difference is with anything in life, it's about how much you're prepared to yeah. want it and get it. And great ideas with tenacity can become phenomenal things that we all live and breathe. And so it was a bit like computer studies. I did computer, eventually I 
I needed a fallback plan, mm. and that's how I got into computer com- machines because I was um, I was good at skiing somehow, but I was also quite good at computers, which is weird things yeah. come they shouldn't really go together. Are you so good I did at skiing video games. <laughs> I don't know, I've never tried one. They've never been, they've never, but they've never, never been any good. They've never been any good. So yeah, um, Clamor twenty eighteen. That's what I want to bring him back. Yeah, yeah. Um, who's a Lindsay Vaughn? Lindsay Vaughn, yeah, Tiger Woods, actually. She's yeah. a machine. She is yeah, she's no, the best no. skier ever to be on this planet. Yeah. Yeah, Skiing well, will teach you fearlessness. Oh, totally. Oh, fuck me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. From a very early age. Yeah. I take this on. I'll have a go. Um, I might fall, but I might not. And yeah. So, yeah, it's a lovely analogy of life. I think yeah. sport generally is, but skiing, but skiing you know, is you've got to go dangerous. down some steep, yeah, some steep things. And when you're, yeah, when you're a kid and your your little legs are like, you know, yeah. knocking, and you've got little, especially mine. Come on, legs. I'm not. Yeah. They're not skiers' legs. Yeah, yeah. They're I'm little skinny. Yeah. <laughs> I think that you're right. It's uh, you're standing in that gate, and you're going to go down a downhill in this cat suit. Yeah. And nothing else protects you other than your fearlessness to stay on your skis and go around a corner at 70, 80, 90, nearly ninety miles an hour yeah. sometimes. Yeah, you're right. It's, Do you have a happy childhood? Yeah, very much. Right. So. Love my child. Love my brothers. My mum, my stepdad were amazing for me. My old man was really good, even though you know. I mean, in many ways, you think about him leaving me at six weeks old. You think about that. That's a fact. That's actually brave, weirdly, to have the balls to get up and go. Do you know what? This yeah. is just not for me. Well, I know someone who did that, and the opprobrium that they get, not just from from everybody, from parents, grandparents, from male friends. You can't fucking walk out on a woman after just you know giving right. a baby. From all her friends, I mean, I'm sure he was kind of ostracised. Yeah, he probably was. The board, yeah, he yeah. probably was, but it is actually quite brave, oddly. What about you? Well, my my family upbringing was very middle class Dublin, but I was a black sheep in the family. I was the eldest, and you know, things. I, I, my my childhood wasn't that happy. Why Felt not? Very independent. Well, just my parents were. I, I was a difficult kid. Today, I would have been labelled hyperactive and probably right. Yeah, yeah, the old ADD. The, yeah, 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 exactly. But I felt very independent from about seven years old, where I said, it's me against the world. I didn't feel like my family had my back. They were pushing me to do certain things that I felt that was not the way I wanted to go. And weirdly, as you said about your situation, that's what made me. If I changed it to either me being more a compliant child or doing what I was told, I would have gone on a very different path. And I probably would have been an engineer. My father was a very famous ventriloquist. No way! Yeah. What a random background that and is. He, he was, can he, you do it? He was a Gaelic speaking. Oh, right. Can you do it? Can you do it? <laughs> the rest of the you can see our lips are moving. Where's the podcast? We don't know this. He had his own show for uh, 10, 15 years on te- Irish television. He opened Irish television, so he was quite famous. So I get a bit of my acting and voiceover and stuff like that, and writing, I suppose, creativity from them. But I really play out a very lonely and wow. uh, individualistic. Burrow all through my life but yeah this is the first time someone asked me about all, all that stuff you got to um, computers like what did you do in college computer studies right so I went and I did that I did it at GCC uh, amongst all the other ones and I was good at it so naturally so I just carried on doing it and I went to university to do it as well I worked on my old man's new business which was making signs and, and I found myself in this little teeny room painting signs with very high toxic paint and probably flammable paint and I, and I thought what am I what am I fucking doing <laughs> in my life so and that was my kind of I go to university and do it and, and I did I did it right I got a party man's degree 
That's how I fell into machines, really. So you were learning coding and all that yeah, kind of yeah, stuff? Yeah, and yeah, right? yeah, yeah, I joined a company called, a little teeny company called Global Financial Systems. And I've still to this day never realised at the time, you always retrospect is always a wonderful thing. I never realised at the time how amazingly good the people that I was surrounded with. All yeah. they were, they were trying to do banking on machines which were running Microsoft Code. And they were doing this thing which is called grid computing, using other machines when they're dormant yeah. to be able to spark up, run some transactions and then... You know, go dormant again. It was groundbreaking stuff. Where, I mean, where are we? Nineties, early nineties. This is uh, this is mid nineties. Yeah, nineties. Yeah. Yeah, and so I um, global financial systems sounds like a, a sort of corporation that would be in Superman or something. Yeah, it kind <laughs> of is. Kind of a kind lazy of, name. Not not uh, like. Bull I mean, I love I love Malcolm Carroll and Ian Leeper. They are definitely not part of Superman theory. Yeah. I mean, they literally were. You know, Ian Leeper, bless him, he had a you know, a proper stutter. proper stutter. Yeah. Amazing mind. Malcolm Carroll was just the shiny man who could sell it to banks. He was like, hello. He actually asked me one day to download the internet. <laughs> so I, want- I broke the internet. <laughs> it, was, it, was when, it was when the internet was just starting. Yeah. And he said to me, he goes, Ben, uh, he was a such salesman. He said, Ben, um, I literally taught like this. They're very posh. Yeah. And he went, Ben, I'm going away for the weekend. I was wondering, because this internet thing seems to be taking off. Could you download the internet, put it on a disc for me, and I can take it and look at it over the we weekend? Just by the beach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, doesn't really work all that mountain. No. Maybe it's all in the but name. But gee, I remember, you know, we, we got we get now into the what you, the, the whole blockchain. Thing, but I remember when the internet, because you start, you, you know, you you start your story about what blockchain is with the fact that the internet failed. Yeah. And I get you on that. And I remember when the internet came out. Actually, one story I had is I moved to Singapore from Dublin. In 96, they had a camera looking down the main thoroughfare of Dublin, O'Connell Street. And it was really shit. It was a camera, and you could see the buses just... <laughs> yeah, judging, the judgery, the judgery yeah. thing. This is really great sort of live. sitting there in Singapore looking at Dublin going, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and and going, was, where was, will this go? <laughs> and it was amazing, wasn't it? It was yeah. connection. Yeah, it was amazing. It you was. were on the other end of there. And, you could, yeah. and how happy did it make you feel? It was great. Let's segue in there. Why did the internet fail us? I mean, the internet was a phenomenal technology, military technology, which was invented by the Americans. And it really was used to, to communicate across the world. And then Tim Berners-Lee came along and thought, well, let's open, let's open that world for the world. Because what he believed in is that there was too many middlemen, it was too much friction, it was too much, uh, it was too, the world was too slow. The decentralised approach, his vision, it had kind of an altruism within the middle of that. And what's happened is that the middlemen came in massively and have really disrupted that. They've coined, made their coin. They have owned um, the internet in many ways. And the Googles, the Facebooks and wider, you've become a product of Facebook. You've become a product of Google. And when Google's making $32 per person per year for their service, I mean, it's massive, isn't it? It's massive. Imagine that. Would you pay... Facebook's making 21 bucks off. 21 bucks, yeah, yeah, roughly, 21 bucks. And whatever the truth actually is, we don't know. It's a closed world. It's a closed domain. And all I do know, and everyone does know now, and it's becoming apparent with the Cambridge Analytica thing when they're sucking... 87 million user profiles, you know, of 98 data points uh, about you. You know, when Mashable posted on my way to steal your privacy you know, with Mark Zuckerberg, that's what's happened. It Given got us a wonderful by business. Work. Got hijacked. Exactly. It. Perfect way of saying so it. I, so I, because I, I remember when Google came out, Sergey and your man had this, the don't do evil yeah, or, yeah. thing that they said. And I was thinking, yeah. oh, you're all right, Google. You're never going to do evil. You know, it was totally. kind of quaint. I was going, hey, you'll be grand. You'll yeah. be fine. You're nice. You're colourful. Yeah. You, you help. Altruistic. They knew then. And so did Zuckerberg. They literally put it on. We're not going to do evil, yeah. but we fucking well are. 
let me give you a contrarian point of view. I accept the fact that, and I know that I'm giving these companies a lot of access to my life. They do sell my information and my demographics to other companies to advertise, much like a television station used to do and would have done to that extent if they had the data available to them. In return, I get, in Facebook's example, access to all my friends globally, what they're up to, which to me seems worth (coughs) 21 bucks a year. Just look at another way. No, no, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. Google, I have the entire information of all the world in my pocket, in my phone, and I use Google to try to get to that. Yep. Things like Google Maps, if we, if we brought someone from 1970 to today, they would be going, Google Maps would be one of the, like, no more of no, those. No, totally. Although I do like a paper map. And Wikipedia. I grew up in an era where people went around selling door-to-door Encyclopedia Britannicus. Yep. Huge expense yep. to poor families, yep. which was also evil. Are they really doing evil? So, I mean, I fundamentally agree. The service that you get and the experience that you get potentially for the core service that they offer you is brilliant. But when you're manipulating democracy, okay, knowingly, okay, yes. I think that's fundamentally wrong. Okay, so there's the dark side of the web. Cambridge, yep. that whole WikiLeaks, WikiLeaks thing, The Russian interference in the election, which is still an ongoing investigation, but everyone's saying it happened. And, you know, there's pornography, child pornography, it's all this dark side of the web, which is evil. Yep. But the core part of the web, I mean, first of all, we would never get rid of the web. No way. We think it's progress. No yeah, I think it is progress, right? Yeah. So let's, let's frame it now with your, let's start bringing blockchain into this and yep. how you believe that is the game changer that's going to get us back yep. on, on track. Is that fair? It's going to get us back on track? I think it's back on track. I think it's the second part of an apple. Uh, where the one was a bit, you know, it was a juicy apple, promised lots of dreams and has, has become a little bit poisoned. And that's why I'd use the, the Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs analogy. Let's go with the Snow White analogy. Well, she basically, you knew that you're getting a free apple. And she was getting a free apple from this particular person. And which happened Ironically, to be a witch. it was an apple. It wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We don't know how bad Apple are. I don't think they are, but I mean, you, know, you never yeah. know. They focus on hardware, but, but then again, they've got a phenomenal ecosystem. So let's go back to the Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs initially, right? So Snow White and the Seven, she had seven people protecting her called the Dwarfs. If you look at the old world, the, the witch came to her door with the snow, the Dwarfs were mining for the day. Ironically, mining. We'll yeah. come to blockchain mining in a minute. They were mining very valuable things, actually. Yeah, An honest and open network of miners mining diamonds, very valuable things. Yeah. Without them, the transaction was happening between her and the witch, the, you know, the, the, the promise of this apple. So she ate the apple and she, and she fell asleep. And, and, and she was, was the rest innocent and naive. And she was innocent and naive. And she, kind. And, yeah. And yeah. she trusted. She yeah, trusted. Trusting, a wonderful yeah. trust thing. And she trusted that she ate the apple and that was it. But if you forward wine and you, put, and you consider the blockchain being those, those dwarfs that have protection network in many ways, a consensus network, that's the way transactions happen. The transaction goes between A to B. Once it's been committed, the consensus network, the blockchain, says, okay, I, I'm happy with that. I agree with that. I'm, I agree that that's a transaction which can happen or cannot happen. Yeah. And so it's the majority. It becomes a consensus network. And decisions are made in that way, consensus. If the dwarfs were there, and if that was the blockchain, Snow White wouldn't have eaten the apple because the blockchain, the dwarfs would have gone, no, oh, no, it's a bad apple. And so if you make it a little bit more tangible, what that really means is the blockchain, all it is is code. It's a bit of code, a bit of genius mm. in many ways. If you took an artist's picture, the blockchain is a piece of code which is, has that level of intelligence, that level of storytelling within it. It's just a beautiful piece of mathematics and code. That's all it is. Importantly, it's not a person. It's, not, it's not a bunch of people. Yeah, well, we don't know. Satoshi Nakamoto, 
and there's so many different theories on Satoshi Nakamoto. And one, so he's angle, the guy who's allegedly came up with Bitcoin, right? Yeah. Well, no, blockchain. Blockchain. blockchain explain uh, the difference now for people between Bitcoin and blockchain. Well, blockchain is the network. It's right. a bit like the internet was for email. Right. And blockchain is this network which sits on the internet. People can download the code and put it on their own machines and it can just run freely. And it's just this verification system in many ways. Bitcoin is just basically a, an asset which is traded across the blockchain as a, as, a, as a digital currency. And coins and tokens are on the blockchain. Does that make any sense at all? And Should coin- I have blockchain on my computer now? No, because your, blo- your machine is not powerful enough. Because the benefit of having blockchain on your machine is that potentially as you are part of the network and you verify a transaction, yeah. what happens then is that the blockchain says, well, okay, solve this very hard problem. And with that, you can add this part of the transaction to the chain right? and you get to do that and you in return for that you get reward right. and in this in the in terms of the blockchain the bitcoin blockchain you get a bitcoin or part of a bitcoin mm. which is valuable right does it come to a time when every one of us in our apple macs and on our phones will have a blockchain thing built in to protect us or is that uh, misreading this? well i mean yeah you could you could right. have that and you could I mean, is you it could silently have... protecting me if i not yet. No, I have to. Yeah, you have to, to, you have to use a service which uses the blockchain, and right. any any type of business can rethink themselves to be an open, altruistic, transparent business, which is what we thought businesses were, but really probably quite weren't telling quite all the truths. And they can apply themselves onto the blockchain, and and that's what it gives you. It's so open, it's so transparent, and it's immutable. You can never change it. There's a lot of manipulation in the middleman kind of world. Do you know really know where your money goes when you put ten pounds into a bank? No. You haven't got a clue, right? And, it, and, and if you could actually track it all the way through, you'll see where it's truly gone. I mean, it's gone to bizarre places. And not that you want to know all of that, but that, that safeguard that you know that is on the blockchain, it gives you that full traceability of anything. So when you donate to charity and that charity decides that they're going to put their business, their charity on the blockchain, you know exactly where the money goes, which middleman it goes through, how much is sliced off before it gets to the end result. And when you, if you actually truly knew that in the world of a lot of charities... You probably wouldn't donate. So yeah. you put it in the blockchain. It's kind of it, it, in many ways, it doesn't have to have all the minimum. It just goes onto the blockchain, and 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 you know where it's gone. So blockchain as a concept is a new dimension to the internet that's more transparent, trustworthy, and keeps people from doing wrong. Yes, exactly right. I mean, you can't really hack the blockchain because you have to hack a million, two million, three million, four million nodes. These miners, which mm-hmm. are out there doing all that hard work. One person can manipulate their records in, in there, potentially, if they yeah. get hacked, which is very hard to hack as well because the level of cryptography on the blockchain is so high. But if yeah. they did, they could hack it. If they get intercepted, they could, you know, the message gets intercepted, that's another way of hacking it. Right. But it's one person, one, yeah, one machine, you've compromised one machine, which means that all the other millions go, well, no, the answer's A, yeah. and he's saying B. You're going to reject B because he's not part so of it. So will blockchain eventually... Let, paint me two pictures. One, how it might fix our fake news problem. And two, how it might change how we deal with Facebook. Oh, that's good questions. So I think with fake news, it's about the origin of that news or where that image originally came from. I mean, if you take Kodak, they've created something called Kodak One and they have a Kodak Coin. Ironically, Kodak are making a comeback. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. <laughs> in, and, and, in and, through, and through this process, After dropping right? the ball, big yeah, time, totally, yeah. right? Totally. It's a lovely story, yeah. right? Of redemption. 
And so that you know where that photo has come from and who it came from, most importantly, so that you can work out whether you trust that person because the blockchain is just open and transparent and wider. So the source of news, the source of imagery can be seen yeah. and traced. Yeah. And that's really important. So that's the way fake news potentially can be not fake news because we can see where it's gone through, the provenance of, of a piece of uh, editorial or provenance of an image. Very important. We don't know where anything comes from at the moment. When it comes to Facebook, I mean, Facebook have their own problem because they're such a closed world. They were always famed for being this closed world yeah. when you wanted to build stuff. So my answer is I don't know because until they open up. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know whether I need Facebook in my life. I've, I don't use Facebook hardly at all anymore. So let's hear the anti-Facebook. Why, why did you I'm, but I'm not, but I'm not anti-Facebook. No, no, but sorry. And why why did I come feel, off it? Because one of the other issues that we're having, which we may touch on, may not given where we're going, is this idea that technology is utterly swamping us with too much data. Yep. I can't seem to read a fucking book, even though I'm to- retired. Totally. I'm retired. I should be able to read eight books a week. Yep. And I can't read one in six months. Because you're distracted. I'm distracted. Yeah. I'm on everything. I'm, I'm, I mean, I read the newspaper every and day. And that is why I took off Facebook. And that is why I took the Instagram, because I sat there just dwelling, faffing around on, on fucking pointless stuff, <laughs> which gives me these kind of really negative vibes of, um, you know, subsequently psychologists have looked at all the dopamine going around our body, and it's a bit like drug addiction in many ways, in yeah. social feeds, and it's actually designed to do that as well, hold stuff away and then give it, I mean, it's just like it's wrong. And so, do you think it will go away? Do you think Facebook will not be around in 10 years? I don't need it. I can pick up the phone to my friends. My job is to look at emerging technology and consume myself with it and I did and I love Facebook don't worry I don't dislike Facebook yeah, yeah, I yeah. don't dislike Google I don't like any of those but it's but what, what it's doing to you it's about what it's done I to like me I like cigarettes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same thing Facebook have, uh, you know I had, a mad, Facebook. I had a mad moment there will, there will be programs in the future when you look at you know the social network came out and it was all starting yeah. to be good there will be programs in the future I'm sure when the truth of the Cambridge Analytica stories and all this stuff comes out it'll be the opposite of that and be like fucking they were doing that to us right. oh my god so it could come down and it could come down then but all they need to do redemption it could be all they need to do is put your profile on the blockchain give you back your data yeah. and then they become this kind of altruistic framework which is connecting you to friends that you love and people that you adore yeah. and do you know what I mean that's so sorry to interrupt but I do think that I get no, excited no, about I mean, it because I, 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 had a, I just said I had a mad weird one of those Woo moments the other day when I picked up my phone. How does woo go? You know, when you when you're having it. <laughs> <laughs> I picked up my phone and I wanted to make a phone call and I couldn't work out where the app was. What's the app for making a phone call? You know, the, don't even know, I didn't know where it was. was. I was like trying to yeah, find it. It's a little machine, isn't it? Yeah. Mate, oh, imagine when you speak to get speak to people again. But they call it the, a glassless future. A what future? A glassless oh, fu- future. Explain that. Which is basically less interfaces in, right. in your face at all times. And I do, you know, I'm, my job in Bundan the China Shop is to focus on seven years away for organisations. Knowing the cultural trends and changing consumer behaviour, the brand promise of these companies, which are probably not delivering on those promises anymore, but then how emerging technology will affect them in every single way. And disruption is happening, I hate the word disruption, but it ha- is happening quicker and faster than ever before. And so we help companies do just that. Glasses Future is an angle which is about you'll have an earpiece in your ear helping you and you'll talk to your earpiece. I was with the founder... We're minority report land now, are we? Well, not really, because no. it's just... It's, I was with the founder of uh, Evie. You know Evie? Evie is now Alexa. Right, so he's a he's a born in Cambridge, he's a Cambridge oh, right, English, okay. English English born thing, right? Yeah. Did you not know that? God, no. you're not literally you're sorry, not yeah, literally. I'm, like, I'm going to be honest here. Most of my <laughs> listeners probably not, agree. I, did, I didn't know either. <laughs> <laughs> but I was with him, and he was saying that there'll be a future. We'll just expect to speak to everything. 
oven turn on or just turn on the oven. I don't quite agree with that. What I do agree with is that having a piece of glass and to get your phone out to make a phone call. Yeah. Or yeah, when you have a small earpiece or well, we have a chip in our brain. Do you know what I was Silicon uh, I, chip inside her head. I know someone who does that. So we will. They're doing that right now, right here, right now. And I said to him, this is over in a, co- a special secret conference over in LA, two days, solidly going, what the fuck? Yeah, totally mind blowing. And there was one person, a professor, putting chips into people's brains. And what they found was that our bodies reject lots of things. The brain harnesses things. So they put the chip in the brain, and it started, the brain started to work out what to do with the chip. Because wow. right? the brain's only electrical at the end of the day. It's doing some yeah. stuff, whatever. I don't, I'm, <laughs> that's a neuroscience approach to the brain. Um, uh, it's doing some stuff. And, um, I, um, really yeah, we don't know what it's doing. But anyway, the point is, is that we, they start to compute and he, to, the, to, the, to the cloud. And the cloud started giving stuff back. And there was a question from the audience, will this, will this happen in the near future at all? And he said, I would predict in the next four years, this was last year actually, so the next three, three years, that someone in Silicon Valley will have this done. And when you're sitting in an interview or in a conversation or you're against someone in another business and they've got the chip in their brain and they're ahead of you, yeah. would you put a chip in your brain? Yeah. You probably would, welcome you know. To, welcome to the Tour de France. Tour, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly right. Just, just, just. Also, the vanity. I mean, would you go to Mars? What for? No, no, if there was a manned mission to Mars, would you go on it? No. I would, you see. Would I you mean, I, Because my view on the nihility, if that's such a word, of life... I like think, that word. I don't know if it means anything, but I, I love the I just word. invented it. Give me an angle on what it actually is meant Nihil- to mean. It's like nihilism. Oh, okay, it's, right, it's the okay. nihility okay, of life. Give that. okay, that's good. Um, All right, even if it's not, we should yeah, put it into it a dictionary. Yeah. As one of my Irish friends said, the nihility of life is what we're combating. <laughs> no, um, if you think about the man... Irish dictionary rather than the English yeah. Oxford dictionary. Yeah, yeah. we we'll go for the that. The man or woman or thing of the last century, you know, if you were looking at the Time magazine, who would be on? You know, you would have things like Hitler, you would have Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, yeah. you would have Pele, Muhammad Ali. The one person I would put there, if you took someone from a thousand years in the future, would be Neil Armstrong. Neil Armstrong is not, is just a guy who stood on the moon, but the, the combination did of the. <laughs> did he? Yeah, he did. They played golf on the moon before. Like, <laughs> The whole moon landing thing is they keep forgetting that they went back seven times afterwards. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right yeah. and everything, you know, yeah. that seems to be completely up. forgotten. Yeah. Um, but you know, he represents mankind's greatest achievement. And a thousand years in the past, if you brought someone from a thousand years past, and, you know what we did? We stepped on that. They go, "Fuck off, you!" Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the guy a thousand years in the future would go. Was that when that happened? And what I mean about the chip thing, bringing it back to the point, is to be the first guy to have the chip in your head, you know, yeah. and be able to beat fucking computers at Jeopardy or chess yeah. or whatever it allows you to do. Yeah, puts you, are, you in history. It does. Jesus like. It does, but I mean, it's a bit. I don't if know. He <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he <laughs> walked a complete on the moon, conspiracy. Is the, where is the world flat? The answer is I don't know. It looks quite round to me when I'm Could up there. Could you download the, the internet yeah. for me? <laughs> download the internet. Like. Like. <laughs> <laughs> um, 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 so, would I have a chip in my brain? I would have a chip in my brain. Would I go to Mars? No. Because of the fact that you don't come back. Yeah. No, and, I, I would be a one way ticket. And, and it would be a one way ticket. And I think that's, that's the sad thing. 
Would I want but to? But you'd see Starburst over Orion. This is true. It'd be quite, quite cool. Open the door. But you've got, no got no one to tell. I don't know. That's when it comes to social currency. Maybe Facebook is mm. doing the right thing after all. But I don't know. I think what I would like to do when it comes to the chip in the brain, come back to that, is that you'd have it. But it's a bit like having a. You know, when you're a boy racer and you're a young kid. No. Well, yeah, I, 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 I'm an Essex boy, so okay, I just. I didn't see the fast race. Did you? You did, yeah. I, a, I, didn't, spoiled, I didn't have an MG Metro and a Turbo. I didn't have a Fiesta. <laughs> you did, did you? Yeah. yeah you which did. was black and had no profile. Oh, yes. But it was only a 1.1 litre. Yeah, completely ruined the whole face of the mm. car. But um, So I um, would have a normal car. What I've always wanted a normal car, a normal looking car. Mm. Massive, great engine. And I think that, that the brain, the tip of the brain is that moment where you can do it with the intelligence. You sit there and anyone can ask you any question. Oh, well, such, 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 such. And the answer is blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But no one knows. Pop quizzes are a thing of the past. Exactly. <laughs> it's easy. You don't have to get your phone out and cheat anymore. It's do like you? the one team that got no 99, missed one question, actually wins. <laughs> yeah, that would be true. Because then something happened, the internet went down. <laughs> oh, no, the internet's gone down yeah. for me. That, that oh, wait, wait, we end up in robot overlord territory and combine human robot species and eventually probably the human bit who needs a bag of water bones nitrogen carbon whatever you know and off we go a good friend of mine Sean Gawley who's he's just done he's just the World Economic Forum talking about artificial intelligence his businesses are all in AI and he said right, the human race either faces extinction or immortality through artificial intelligence the machines will become so much more powerful. The algorithms will start to code themselves, and they already are. And maybe the blockchain, weirdly, is probably an altruistic framework which allows us to progress with, with a bit of altruism in the middle of it. He ends it with, the best place to be is where machines and humans work together. Augmented intelligence is the best way forward. And, and would you not, not have that? I would, I, I would definitely have something like that. I would yeah. definitely, you've just got to harness the... Uh, as long as it's benign, right? Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, I'm and you know we haven't even talked about how it applies to weapons and war. And oh God, yeah, that dark, starts getting quite dark, scary. Dark place, yeah. One of the questions I want to ask you about blockchain because you paint this nice picture of it as being a honourable, purpose-driven, real, altruistic, fair system that's going to police the internet for us. The idea that we don't know who's behind blockchain has to be a concern. In the same way that Facebook is a concern, the same way that Google is a concern. So the answer is 100% yes. It's nine years old. And as I said, it's created as a piece of genius. But when, when you don't know who's created that, it could be the ultimate backdoor to... If you're really clever as a terrorist, then you could create a piece of code, the blockchain, where everyone's building this kind of this altruistic framework on it. And it could have the ultimate backdoor. So the difference is, is that you have to take down every single node on who's running that machine. Yeah to take it down and do the wrong thing. And if the code is open and it's over across a million machines, then you can see what's really happening within that code, within reason. Yeah. So We are assuming, though, that every single machine is not jury-rigged, which is what your ultimate backdoor is about. Like you could actually have what ostensibly looks like a very fair, impenetrable because of the power of numbers. Exactly right. But then suddenly the whole thing is... Exactly right. Well, someone it's actually works out how to behind the curtain. Hack, hack, exactly right. I, I, that, I was going to use the analogy. The, yeah. the, the man behind the curtain. We're not quite sure who he is. The, yeah. the Wizard of Oz analogy is a great analogy. One of the things I would say as to why it might be benign, you're convinced it's benign, and I get that, is that Facebook and Google have not outed it. No, it is quite a threat to their business. But they would be going. This is all. You know, if, if Donald Trump ran Facebook, it'd be, oh, this blockchain is all fake, fake news. Fake news. Right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, 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 and they have the power to do and that. They would, yeah. and, but no, but they'd also do it as a great 
stunt to say we are protectors. These guys are just bullshit. So you have things like 4chan, WikiLeaks, and there's lots of this out there, yeah. you know, and like, you know, hackers. I don't even know what a fucking hacker is. I don't even That's know. That's the guy in the mosque. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is also dark web. I mean, the, the WikiLeaks thing has 50% of people who say it's great. And 50%. Where, where do you stand with WikiLeaks? Is it, is it a good thing for society or a bad thing? I don't know because you don't want to know all the truth because not knowing all the truth is actually quite a good thing. Yeah, I agree. But I think that this is such corruptness in government. It's, it's, we all know it's corrupt. Yeah. It truly is. But you is. also never get rid and, of corruption until it's added. And you don't, never. exactly. And that's why WikiLeaks, for me personally, yeah. to answer the question, I think it's a service of good. It opens up these massive holes. It keeps on dropping its bombs everywhere, as it were. But yeah. they're, they're bombs for good in many yeah. ways. People have had enough about being the, the lemmings. You know, the lemmings, yeah, the game lemmings, yeah, yeah. you just follow. Hello, yeah, you're yeah, the yeah, yeah. That's what, that was a lemming. They never actually run off a cliff. Do they not? It's like the ostrich head in the sand doesn't oh, happen. Doesn't really happen. Frog doesn't burn in the fucking in the water. The fake the, news. All you've all heard. All that's, fake, all fake, that's all. That's all fake, fake news. adages. No, you've, 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 what you've heard really is fake news. Now, who's true? You fake or me? Old wives you tales. and me. You, you've been told that it's fake, <laughs> yeah. but I'm telling you that what you've been told is fake. And I, I think we've got into that. We've actually got into yeah, that yeah. world of like what is true, what's not. WikiLeaks does a service in many ways. Everyone's fed up with being lied to. We all know we're being lied to of some type, being manipulated in some way. So maybe. But WikiLeaks, to come full yes. circle to our conversation, Tim Berners Lee is back. I was intrigued about that. What, why is he? What's he doing? The Berners Lee is back. Thing, Tim Berners Lee, the guy who invented the World Wide Web, we talked about at the top of the podcast. Yeah, um, he has come back because of the fact that he's upset with the way that the world has happened used the internet and he is trying to give the power of your data back to you to recoup your data to be able to be in control of your own privacy uh, which is human right in liberation of privacy he's trying to do that through a project called Solid and he's working with some of the best people in the world to do that there's a huge amount of people looking at the blockchain how that impacts their own business mm. and I'm working with one very large you know, $220 billion market cap business and they're a telecommunications company and they have the power to really understand what's going on in your home in every single way on on your phone in every single way so they really truly know you and they're going to put that profile onto the blockchain they're going to give you power back to you quite a lovely trust relationship back again to the start of the podcast Google should be paying me $32 Facebook should be paying me $21 and I should at least if I'm giving them this information get paid by them for my information ironically yes yeah. yeah they turn around and said we're gonna we're gonna pay for our fuel their fuel is your data our data is powering in their engines and i think that there is a, a small value exchange 100 percent of the services they yeah. offer because they're cool and they're great and it's fun and you and yeah I, I don't use facebook like i said but very much i'll always have a little peek and it's that, that's valuable to me to yeah. be in connection to all my friends is important but it's got a little bit too far it would be very good for crime prevention and the police if there was a situation where everybody said, yeah, whatever, pay me a hundred bucks. And if you want to find your criminals, go straight to the people who said, no, under no circumstances are you yeah. going to have my stuff. And they're probably in there somewhere. Totally right. I asked this question of everybody, which we finished that's a, on this. By the way, that's a moonshot. I tried to do this moonshot for Google. A moonshot yeah. is their special projects um, Mars area. Yeah, good point. Yeah, but it's called moonshots. Um, and they work yeah. in the special projects. Uh, Google X, I think it's called. Bearded guy runs it. That's right, yeah, Astro yeah. Teller, yeah. 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 And, and it was rejected. But I believed that with all the data that we have about people, and we take biometric data on top of that too, which you're giving, because if you have an Apple Watch, you're giving biometric data all the time. Right. And when those sensors get a little bit more intelligent, we can actually track people's intentions. 
before it happens. The minority report, uh, report in every single way. And then if you take the world's data and you start to understand that, and then you add on social layers as well in terms of what's happened socially to them and the context of where they really are in their own head, right. and then you add a kind of another hook, which is maybe what's happened in the news or what the weather happens. I mean, it's a bad day. Or, oh, I'm going to go and do something bad. Whatever it is, I don't know. But my theory was that minority port of like predicting crime could possibly happen yeah before, um, yeah, before it, it happens place. and it kind of could with all that data but unfortunately and they rejected it <laughs> well google if you're listening to this and it's been made somewhere else in the future you had your chance yes that's a pint with shawnee b episode number 113 or whatever this one is in 2050 and this thing is happening um one of the questions before we go i ask everybody <laughs> and i'm really intrigued with your answers to this i i always ask people and what they would say to their younger self. So maybe the guy who just banged out of skiing, what would you say to him? I said it to myself on a run this morning, and I actually said it out loud, really weirdly. If someone had seen me Scaring running... the children again. Yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> yeah, it was just running. It was dark. It was pitch black this morning when I was running. I was looking at the ocean in Kinsale, perfectly smooth, and smooth water's fine. It's easy to paddle through. It's easy mm -hmm. to drive through. But when the water's rough... It's hard, but it's not going to say rough forever. And I think the answer to that question is you just keep on trying and you know that smooth water is going to come. And that point being in that analogy is the fact that time, life is fucking hard sometimes. Yeah. When you're on your own, you set your own little business up. It's bloody hard. Yeah. You know, however cool it sounds. I never really, bothered doing because I don't think that would have enabled them. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. yeah, but it's really hard. And you constantly get turned down or you don't. Whatever it is, it's that journey. And it's that rough water. But some days it's going to get smooth. And so my answer to myself, to tell myself is, just never give up brilliant I just met you and I think that was a great interview because I can actually see what I said at the start about the fearlessness that you learned as a young skier you still have that, that would be the thing I would see in you that's really important and a lot of people actually don't know thanks a million for being on a pint with Shawnee B right. the other thing to people like you I also say is don't do evil and most of us who are sitting there gobbing data into Facebook and all these places every day assume there are people like you out there who are thinking a bit more about it than we are and are going to do something about it and keep on the right side of it. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was brilliant. Yeah, it really was phenomenal. I want, I want to know what your answer was. So it's, a, it's a hard thing to think about. I mean, what would you say to your younger self? What would you, you have all the journeys you've been through? And yeah. it was a hard upbringing. Yeah. What would you do? I would say to my younger self, you're right. And what does that mean? That you means right that, 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 that there, there was a time in my life where I felt right and I felt like I needed to resist and I needed to plow my own path and I was independent and, and I was scared that I was doing the wrong thing and I was being disobedient and not doing what I was told but I was right I, I, I actually defend my younger self a lot because I don't want to dishonor the stuff that was going on yeah. that was affecting me and that I was trying as a young fellow to you know your, your idea about the, the ocean it was very choppy and I, I kept swimming the right way and, I, and I, 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 I would say to myself and also it worked there you go. You know, That's it. So. It's just that tenacity to, to, to plough through. I've asked you that about 600 times, and each and every time you answer the same way. There you well, go. Like that. So that's it. Exactly it's honest. the same answer. Okay. Give or take a while.